Welcome to The Pursuit. Isn't that a great, great intro video? I love the words of it and I love everything that that thing represents. And if you were here last week, I had the team play it at the beginning of our worship slot because I just think it's so, so powerful. So for those who don't know, my name is Caleb. Um, and like Bernie said, this, uh, this Sunday night is the wrap-up of the series, The Pursuit. Something that we wanted to make sure we could get across tonight was that to leave the harbour that the, that the video talked about and head into the, the open oceans where God might be calling you doesn't necessarily mean that you have to sell up everything and move to China for the next 12 years or something. And it's more about the lifestyle and the lifestyle that you live and your heart being a heart after God and it makes a difference in the, in the little decisions and the little choices that you make throughout your life. So up on stage with me is, is four people from within the BBC congregation. I know that there'll be loads of you with amazing stories, but we've, we've grabbed these four uh, to come and share about a time where God has called and these guys have answered. So let's get the ball rolling. We're going to start with Faye here. Faye, I work with Faye in the church offices here. Uh, so I know about the story that, that we've asked Faye to share firsthand. So, Faye, it's a great story. Why don't you go for it? Well, thank you for inviting me to um, share this story tonight. You're which welcome. is not my story, but is actually God's story. And of something that he prompted me to do, and which um, yeah is, is cool. So a few months ago, probably a couple of months ago, I heard about someone um, that comes here to BBC who really badly needed glasses because she could hardly see... Um, very far at all and this was also giving her headaches so I thought to myself that's actually something that I can do something about I can buy these glasses for her so I went to the person that had told me about it and I said look I would like to help um, your friend and I'd like to buy the glasses for her now I thought at the time that that would just mean giving the money and that would be the end of it but the person suggested that I actually contact um, the person that needed the glasses. And so she, she gave me this lady's phone number and I rang her up and I said, look, I would really love to buy you the glasses that you so badly need. So um, from there on, we worked out when I could um, make an appointment for her to go to Specsavers to um, have her eyes tested and the rest to happen. So um, we duly did that, and as we were there sitting with the um, guy after the eye exam, um, his name is Max actually, he said, um, so you're going to be the Good Samaritan that's going to pay for these glasses, are you? And I said, yes, that's something that I'd really like to do. So he talked to the person a bit more, and then he said to me, do you know, you know what day it is today? And I'm thinking, it's, yeah, it's the 1st of September. What else is it? The first day of spring? Oh, heck, I don't know. What day is it? Um, I said, no, and you know, neither of us knew, so he, we said, what is it? And he said, well, it's International Pay It Forward Day, and so there is going to be no cost of these glasses to you. Well, I thought, phew. Isn't that cool? Now what? <laughs> it was like totally gobsmacked we were. It was like, and we, we hardly even said thank you because we were so amazed at what had happened. So we walked out and we were walking down the street and thinking, did that really happen? Yes, it did. So um, we went back in two weeks and picked up the glasses and yes, there was no cost. And so um, this lovely lady is able to see and do um, great things. Um, now that she couldn't do before, include drive her children to school. 
Um, but out of that, I decided I need to bake a cake and, and write a letter of, uh, or a card of thanks to Specsavers, which I did. And in it I said, because that um, I hadn't actually spent the money, I wanted to still spend the money that I was going to spend. And at church here, um, at that time, Michaela and Debbie were going to be going up to Vanuatu, and they, I'd heard that they needed bras there for the ladies. So I... Um, Talked to Debbie and we went along to Kmart one day and we bought about 50 pairs of bras of all sorts of styles and shapes <laughs> and sizes. And um, so Debbie was able to take them up to Vanuatu. So I thought, um, you know, the money wasn't mine. I'd already was going to give it away and so I still needed to give it away. Uh, so that's what, what we did with that. And so, you know, I'm hoping that those ladies up there are really appreciating the bras and I'm sure they are. Well done. Faye, you've got another story, a similar story. Do you want to share that one yeah. with us as well? So then after that, um, I heard about um, someone else who's, um, well, I know about someone else whose circumstances were going to change. And I thought, this person really could probably do with um, a bit of cash. So I, um, I did that, gave it to this person for which they were very thankful. And just after that, we were given some money for um, some air tickets that we'd bought, and I thought, oh, isn't God good? He's given me back the money. But I, I, and I left it there at the time, and then I thought to myself last week, my goodness, after I'd been asked to do this, mind you, um, that is not my money to even to be thinking that. What am I thinking? So it was like a real light bulb moment I had that that's not my money. This is God's money, and I should be giving that away. And so... I thought, now where, to what cause am I going to do this? And so on, um, in the early hours of Friday morning, I just woke up suddenly and God prompted me to say, you need to give the money to Debbie, to Debbie Cunningham, that is, to get to the Philippines, you know, going to the Philippines on Saturday. This is on Friday, mind you. Um, and um, please, you know, I'm thinking, please, Lord, how am I going to do this? But I rang Debbie and she said, yes. If you put the money in my bank, I'll take it up for you. So that's what she's done. And that's to feed the children in the rubbish dump um, in the Philippines. So, yeah, so that's that's my story, which I'm really supposed to be finished now. But there's one little bit. That's it's, a, it's a great story. And I think as you've been sharing, Faye, it just reminds me of the ripple effect. That like the video says, God is calling, will you answer? And you've you've answered in these in these scenarios. And the ripple effect of people that have been impact, impacted by your simple yes, I, yes, I will answer the call, has been very, very cool. So I know you've got a, a, some scripture that you want to read out, yeah, so I'll, go for it. I just want to finish with this. So when God prompts us to do something, it's really important to obey. We do not know where this will take us, but that doesn't matter. Just trust him, for he knows the way. And then Ecclesiastes 1, 11 and 1 says, Cast your bread upon the waters, and after many days it will return to you. So I believe this is all about giving generously and leaving the rest to God. Investing in giving is investing in God's way of life. And for me, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, amen. Isn't that so cool? Yeah, give pay a hand. So on my left here, we have Sam. She's looking at Andrew, but no, it's your turn, Sam. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Sam, you've, you've got some stories uh, that you want to share along a similar line of of the impact that you've been able to have, or God's been able to have through you by a simple answer of yes to the call. Do you want to share those stories? Okay, so um, not uh, long ago, uh, 
well, actually, first of all, um, so at, um, I got a Odomode, also known as Skodomode. <laughs> I wonder why. Um, and um, and at the um, school, um, I, uh, about a couple of years, uh, a couple of years ago, um, a uh, prayer group started up, and um, it was run by students, which means we can get away with practically anything. <laughs> and um, and um, and then after a while, I took over, and for the last two-ish years, I've been running um, this uh, prayer group. And um, as it was going on, um, the numbers were decreasing, <laughs> and um, and. I was talking with the group who were there, wondering like, what could we do? Because I'm year 13, so I was leaving next year. Uh, I won't be here next year, and there's no leader to take over next year. So um, we were coming up with some ideas, and we had uh, a bunch of YWAMers um, helping us as well. Uh, they're part of the Activate group, Ben, and, and a bunch of the others. They were really cool. And um, we came up first. Our first idea of um, of doing something with the school to get people involved was to. Um, show a thought-provoking video that might not necessarily have a Christian focus but have a big kind of like deep and meaningful focus that we could invite people with pizza because you can get food, bring food and teenagers bribe will come. Bribe people with pizza. Bribe, bribe people with pizza. It yeah. really works. Mm -hmm. And um, and then like go around the room and discuss and try and like create conversation and stuff. And so that's how it started. And then, um, and then Ben called me up one time and went, oh, why, don't we sh why don't we share a spoken word? And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a cool idea. So we, we went on to um, having a spoken word. And then, and then he called me back and goes, can we actually have a person come in and do a spoken word? And I was like, why not? <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's not a bad idea. So um, we thought of that. And then, the, and then it progressed to um, me thinking, well, why not just do it in a room? Why not just do it in the big stage area in the middle of where everyone sits at lunchtime? You know? Um, and I was like, well, you know what? It doesn't harm asking. It's probably going to be a no. I mean, who wants the gospel preached in a public school that, you know, and in the middle of where everyone sits, that's not going to happen. But I might as well, you, you know, um, email Mr. Randog, you know, see what he thinks. And I get the okay, <laughs> which was kind of odd, to be honest. I was quite confused by that. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, then that's that's awesome. All right, so then um, that progressed, and we organised everything. And um, again, our um, out to draw the crowd was pizza. Pizza is is, is great. It draws teenagers a lot. And um, and we got Luke Collis in um, to do a spoken word preaching the gospel to um, my school at Otomare in the pretty much the most public area in our school. And it was it was amazing and interesting because um, before, as we were leading up to it, I was kind of worried um, because it is a public school and, um, and of course, you know, Christianity isn't really encouraged. My form teacher likes to ask me how my imaginary friend is doing often. And, um, wow. yeah, no, he's, he's a great guy, but, you know. <laughs> and, um, but um, so I was really worried if this was actually a right thing to do to so openly preach the gospel in our school um, and how, what the kind of response is going to be like and whether or not everyone was ready for that kind of thing. So I was really nervous and worried about it. And, um, but I really felt like, you know what, okay, God, I think this is what you want me to do. So no matter what happens, <laughs> you're also, you know, your problem. <laughs> you take over, <laughs> whatever. And so, um, so the event happened and it was, it was amazing. Pizza really does draw a crowd. And, um, and we had a whole bunch of uh, people come up. Luke did his little um, spoken word and preached the gospel. Um, and then Ben, the um, Activate guy, came up afterwards and um, also preached a little bit. Um, not so much poetic, but 
really, you know, amazing as well. But um, it, was, it was a really cool and amazing thing that I n never thought you could actually do in a public school. And um, I think the whole, um, we didn't really uh, get too much of a response in terms of people, you know, becoming Christian or, or, um, or getting, actually no one came to the group afterwards, which was kind of the point we did it, to get more people involved. But, you know, <laughs> oh well. <laughs> and, but, um, but what I really think was the most amazing thing about it was that um, the gospel was clearly preached and told mm -hmm. to a bunch of non-Christian kids who probably have mm -hmm. a completely different and quite wrong idea about what the Christian faith is. And then those who are Christian at my school can feel confident enough that they can do something like that, that there's no holding back and being that evangelistic in a school setting. Because mm -hmm. I think that's something that um, um, teenagers <laughs> lack is we don't realize that we can be this evangelistic and public in our schools. We don't have to go out into the city. We can we can do crazy, amazing, really open about God things in our schools, and it's okay. And because we're students, we get away with a lot more than teachers do. So, <laughs> yeah, so that's something that happened that was pretty amazing. Well done. And you never know the seeds that are planted with all of those kids that turned up to here. So well done. It's a very, very cool story. Yeah. I've got a question, Faye. When, when we were talking earlier, you said something about being... Uh, nervous or afraid when you when you first called up the person that needed the glasses, was that the case for both of you? Nervous about need and needing, yeah, no. Um, well, it was more in my mind when I did it. It was actually quite easy. Mm -hmm. It was probably harder to go and pick the person up and to actually meet them mm -hmm. because I, you know, I said I'm going to pick. I'll come and pick you up and take you. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a little bit harder. Um, I had a little bit of background, but no, lovely, lovely person. And mm. it was, yeah, it was a cool experience. But yeah, it was just, you know, I think you build something into your mind that's mm -hmm. not even going to happen. So. Yep. Yeah. And you probably have a similar story that Quite once you've done it, you can look back and know that there was nothing to be nervous about. Mm. Cool. So over here we have John Douglas. Now, John Douglas has been part of this church community for a long time. He's on staff, he's preached here and is a very, very wise old owl, aren't you, John? So the team, the, the team uh, organised John to come and share with us, but I know that he's, he's got a particular story that uh, we've been asked, you've been asked to share that was a long time ago, not so recent. Long time ago. Yeah, I was born at an early age where my mother was. As was on, I. Where our mothers were on the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, my folks were not God followers, they were God fearers. And one of the things they did is they sent my brother and I to Sunday school and I first started going to Sunday school on uh, Sunday afternoons because in those days the brethren only had pagans in the afternoon and night but never in the morning. <laughs> Move right along, John. <laughs> and... Uh, so it just kind of happened. And I'm now at the ripe old age of nine in the story, so I'm moving fast. And the uh, friends I had around me used to often say, you know, you, you've got to go to Sunday school. Um, uh, we're allowed to make up our own minds about that. We don't have to go. We can make up our own minds. So I thought, good idea. So I went to my father and I said, uh, Pop, can uh, and I told him the story about my friends and said, can I make up my own mind? And he said, yes, John, you can do that when you know enough to make a good decision. 
you'll keep going until you're ready to make a good decision about Christianity. Six months after that, I, I gave my heart to Jesus, and it's been a few years since, and, and following on. And a particular scripture that I picked up on, and I appreciate we've been looking at laments lately, uh, I found in the Psalms, uh, right early on, the, the, the whole idea of laments, you know, songs. And uh, lament songs, a little bit, if you're not quite sure what they are, think about it like this way country music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on track still. <laughs> Country music is uh, basically uh, a man with a guitar sitting alone singing about someone else's wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Western music is a uh, man sitting alone with a guitar singing about someone else's horse. <laughs> and they're all about lament because they're dealing with love and lust and loss. Yeah, and there's the, the psalms kind of pick up. And so this particular psalm, I, it caught me very early on and stayed with me. Uh, psalm 40, uh, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined to me and he heard my cry. He took me up out of a horrible pit and out of a miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock, he established my goings. And many people will see and will fear and will trust in the Lord. And those last lines, right from early days in life, kind of haunted me with a yes, but how question. Yeah. How, if they, what do they see? Uh, when they hear and trust the Lord, what do I do? There was a yes, but, but a how, kind of fear thing. On to the story. I'm uh, going to church now, and I'm ripe old age and nearly 16. Our folks had moved... Uh, and we moved with them, because that's the cheapest board in town, <laughs> uh, to a, a block of flats had just been opened in Gray's Avenue in 1958, and it was 86 flats, the biggest block that had ever been built. And I, I was going to a church uh, nearby there called People's Church in Wayside Mission, and the pastor of the church was one of New Zealand's historic spiritual giants, a man called Keith Rimmer. Uh, Keith Rimmer was a missionary in the 20s, he was an evangelist of note in the 30s. He then founded and bought Youth for Christ in New Zealand. He founded the Challenge newspaper. He was a businessman. It all rolled out of him. And he was the, one of the few people that actually had an older call for other than getting saved, but for pursuing God. The pursuit of God was big with him. The story. I'm watching you. I'm coming out of church one Sunday, and I'm just a little guy. I'm, I'm four foot eleven. You put that in metric conversion, 149. I'm a little guy. And I'm coming out, and uh, Pastor Rimmer says to me, John, you live in those flats? I said, yeah. He said, would you like to come with me? I would like to visit all those flats. And I thought, man, this spiritual giant, I'm going to see how it's done. Because I wanted to pursue, yes, but how? And so uh, I got Saturday morning, got up, put on my tie, because... You had to wear a tie in those days and trousers. And I'm there ready, and he comes, and I meet him out front, and we go to the, the very first flat. And what happens? We go to this flat, I'm standing beside him, and he knocks on the door. The door opens. Lady's standing there in flat one. 
Pastor Ruma said. This is John. I'd like you to meet John. He lives in flat one. John is a Christian. And if you want to know anything about Christianity, just ask John. Nice. And the lady was polite and said that. We went to flat two. This, and by flat three, I, I realized what was happening. <laughs> he didn't tell anybody who he was. He told them who I was. And we're, we got to flat 14. We lived in flat 14. He knocked on the door. And the door opened and my mother's there. And he says, she, this is John. John lives in this flat. John is a Christian. If you want to know anything about Christianity, ask John. And my mother's cool lady says, that's good. If I ever want to know, I'll ask him. We went to the 86 flats, and that kind of nailed how my how many, faith. How many flats? A 86 flats, 11 86 stories flats. high. It was the flashiest thing in the world. Now it's a slum, <laughs> according to the newspaper, not according to me. But that kind of nailed my on the yes, but, but how. Mm. Yeah, the story rolls on, but that's enough. Very, very cool story, isn't it? So all these years later, we have John Douglas up here on stage talking about that moment. So that's very, very cool. I'm still pursuing it. Yeah. It's pursuing me. Good. Cool. Very, very cool. Let's, yeah, let's give him a... So, Andrew, lucky last. Yes, Caleb? Tell us about your business. That's it. That's yeah? the introduction tell I get. Well, thanks. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us about your business. Andrew has been part of this church for a long time and involved in all sorts of ministries in the life of the church, but has a business. Yes, I'll tell you about my business, but I'll tell you about uh, the pursuit, I guess, uh, that we have of God and his kingdom and how we run our business. Yeah, and tell us about that. Is that all right? Yep, Can tell I us about that. bring that into the conversation? Yep, yeah. absolutely. I thought it was going to come later on, okay. but that's got you. Go for it. So I've come down to three things. The first thing for in our business is that we were, we've learned very quickly to be aware of God using uh, small conversations with anybody to direct us about where he wants us to go. It's, it's a case of for our businesses, we make decisions about what, uh, some big decisions, some smaller ones, that God often uses the conversations with just ordinary people to direct us in his will. We've, I've never felt a strike of lightning from God telling me what to do. I've never had that one-to-one -one conversation with God making it clear about where I should go or what we should do. But we've had many, many conversations over our, our years of running our business that it's been conversations with people, some Christian and some not Christian that God has clearly been directing us. And it's not often been the case until years down the track that we've learned about those conversations being very, very God-ordained and had his hand on it. And so just as a couple of examples, one was uh, we were up at, uh, our friend of ours was um, uh, standing uh, for a politician to be the MP for Whangarei. And so we were up there at his, uh, the political parties thing they do when they're winning all these things. And I was just, in, during the course of the evening, I just chatted with another friend of ours who was a workmate and this was at a stage where I worked for the Dairy NZ equivalent at the time. And I was just talking to him about thinking of going out and changing to do one-to-one -one farm consultancies, which is what I do now. And I was going to go and work for the same company, but just changing my job slightly. 
And he just made a comment, why don't you think about going out in your own business rather than go out and do this job with the company? Why don't you just, why don't you do it on your own? Why don't you just set up your own company? And that was a, an opening that we were willing to hear, that we were willing to think about, and that decision to set up our own company rather than go and work for someone else has been life-changing for us. The freedom that's given our business, our lives, that we can have days off when it's Kid Athletics days, we can do so much more freedom because of that decision to go out on our own. And there was a one conversation with one person, not in a very godly situation, uh, but it changed the course of our business at that time. Isn't uh, it cool, just for me to jump in there, isn't it cool that God used somebody else to speak directly to you guys? So for them, it might have been a flippant comment that he thought he had this great idea and made mention of it, but God took that comment and just directed it straight into your heart and you knew that there was potentially yeah. the right and thing and like he wouldn't have known for... 10 or 15 years that that yeah. conversation was key and we did see him many years mm. afterwards and told him. Our second one was when we first looked at buying our first farm in Australia that I would never even thought about buying farms in Australia and it wasn't until I was sulking on the phone to my friend that I could never buy a farm in New Zealand and they were too expensive. And he just made the comment, why, why don't you look at in Australia? And so the, the first thing that we had to be was willing to, you know, you often have conversations and you just dismiss straight away but being open and willing to have God's leading through a conversation with anybody just allowed us to be open enough to think about it. And then two weeks later, when I was on a plane, and two months later, we'd sign up in our first farm, and you know, we've got four farms and 3,000 cows that we're trying to manage in Australia. And it, it was just a very small conversation that God led in a very big way. So for our business, it's very important that we uh, listen to conversations, that we're open to God's leading through any of these conversations. Oh. Um, a second area is in my role, um, I wanted to, to be a Christian in my role, but I didn't want to overstep the mark of being a professional person who had been asked to come in and do something, uh, to overstep a line and to use that opportunity uh, to preach at people when that's not what they'd paid me to be there for. A lot of people have to sacrifice and have asked me often to go into their homes for quite specific reasons. And so I never wanted to be overtly open in preaching at them. And so the call I had to make was, how do, I, how do I be different? How do I be Christ to these people? And so the call I wanted to do was I wanted to be uh, different. I wanted to just show them by my actions uh, that I was different. And so uh, one of the key ways that made me different to most people is that I just didn't swear and I didn't drink. And so within a very, very short frame of time, people could understand that I was different. Even if they didn't know why initially, um, they certainly found out just through just me being different that I was someone different. And so um, it hasn't led to many conversions, it hasn't uh, necessarily opened many, many doors, but people who interact with me know that I'm different. Um, and then the other thing I realized was if I was gonna be different, I also had to be very good, that I couldn't be a slack person who was also different, or else I'd lose respect very, very quickly. And so I was determined that I wanted to be very, very good at what I did. I wanted to be the best that I could be, but I also wanted to be as good as I can be. And in my job, which is working with farmers and farmers' families and staff, that means getting to know them really well. And even though the advice that we were given at training was that we were the outside experts, not really to get involved with the family, I, I said, well, I want to be different and, and I want to be better at my job. So to, be, to give better advice is to know the family better, is to know the situation better. And so I, I was determined that to be better at my job was to get to know them really, really well. And you know, we've had times where payout has significantly dropped on farms and, and people have been in very, very desperate situations. And a lot of my colleagues, they might have lost half of their clientele uh, overnight because people just couldn't afford to pay them. 
and yet I've had the privilege of people sticking with me and wanting to keep employing me to be there, and just because they realise that I care about them as individuals. So that just opens up a whole new avenue of people knowing that I'm different and unique, but also that I'm caring about them specifically. Cool, well done, Liz. Very cool way to... I think, I think what's cool too, Andrew, is that when we, we were talking before the service started, and I'm, I'm, I'm only assuming here, but if, if one of your clients was running into super, uh, super crazy, terrible time in their lives and you happen to be there, or that they were going to lose their farm through to financial difficulties or whatever, because you've been building the relationship with them over years, you just don't know what sort of conversations are going to come out from that that you're going to be right there for and already built that trust and that relationship with them, which is very cool. Yeah, that's right. And it's something that you can't um, plan on it. And, and it's, it's one of those ones, again, you just appreciate the fact that they appreciate you being there. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just do one more real quickly? Sure. Which, as a business person, is really important for, for us is the fact of because we run businesses, one of the other key things for us to be pursuing God is through our giving. And it's one of the things that's really motivated us is to, to give financially. We can't, um, we're not the type of people that are very good at uh, going overseas or, or, or going and doing a lot of stuff, but we feel as though as a business that we can support people really, really well. And so for us, I know one of the um, key motivating things for us when we get our books each year is not our profit line, it's our donation line. And it's a case of, yep. for us, you know, I started my first job, I was earning 16 grand a year and, and the 10% thing was in my mind and I thought, oh, that's all right. Um, but as our business has grown, the, the choice of ours to want to grow our giving has been mm. a huge, huge thing for us in our pursuit. And so we often see people going around the world and doing great things for God, and that is awesome, but behind them is often needed funds. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and so we feel as though we play a really, really important role in that, and we, mm -hmm. our desire is to, is to grow our business so that we can grow in our pursuit of God and his kingdom yep. through our giving. Cool. Well done. Yep. Very cool choice. Well done. Thanks, team, for, for coming and sharing a little bit of your stories. Let's give these guys another hand as they, they leave. Can we have the band to, up to just, we're going we're gonna to start wrapping up. I just had a few thoughts that I jotted down. Oh, thanks, Bernie. So like we had said, today's the, the closer of this series. So I just wanted to talk uh, for... Only five minutes as these guys set up behind me about the pursuit. Um, yeah. I think we're all called to leave the harbour, like, the, like the, our intro video says. We're all called to, to, to leave the harbour. So what I'm going to share with you tonight, I have, it's a lot of my own, my own thoughts. I've read books and listened to podcasts and things, and I just hope that this is going to be super practical, and I just hope that some, some of the things I've got to say tonight really sinks in. Um, Colin made mention of one of the messages that he spoke at, that he believes that there's people in this auditorium tonight, people in this church, that will go on and do amazing things for God in their future, and I know that to be the case as well. And as we've looked at previous messages in our Firestarter fire series of Billy Graham and, and these sorts of people, they all started somewhere. My parents, uh, they live on an orchard, and one of their neighbours is a beekeeper. And just this week, I ended up scoring a whole lot of honey for crazy cheap, some manuka honey in massive, massive pots. And it got me thinking about, about the honeybee. And 
the honeybee, he or she, I don't know what they are, they, um, they, they cruise around and they produce honey. They know that, the, that they don't have any choices. They just boost around the place, run into flowers and back to the beehive and they produce honey. They don't have a decision whether they wake up in the morning one day and suddenly decide that they're going to start producing marmite. They just know that, that they produce honey and they don't have a choice about that really, do they? They just produce honey. But God is a creative God and he's created us to be able to create. And I think honeybees produce honey and I think that us humans produce futures. I think that, that the decisions that we make produces our own future. <clears throat> if, if you're letting things happen just because you haven't made decisions or choices, they just are happen, happening, then the future that you might be stepping into is probably a future that you probably aren't super stoked about. You may look back and wonder how on earth I got here and, and why am I here in this situation? And it may be because you haven't been decisive and you haven't known the future that God's got and you haven't been making decisions and choices towards the future that, that you want to have. <clears throat> yeah, I've, writ I've written down here that without making good choices, you may never leave the harbour. You may never step into the life that only God could imagine for you because you haven't been making good choices. The harbour is a safe place. We know from the, from the video that a ship is not built to hang out in the harbour all day. But if it did, it would be a very safe place for it. And it got me thinking about how when we leave the harbour into the oceans and we answer the call that God has, whether they're big calls or small calls, little decisions and choices that we make along the way, it's, it's pulling us out of familiar waters and familiar ground. And it got me thinking that the familiarity of the harbour may be the relationship that you're in that is familiar, but you just know that it's not right. You know that God's got something different. God's got something bigger for you. It might be the job that you're currently in that you're just not super stoked about. That you're not super excited about getting out of bed and leaping to work in the morning because the impact that you might be having just might not be there. That, that you know that God could be imagining another future for you. And I think that's what it's about is being, do you want to be staying safe in that harbour or do you want to be answering the call that God might have? on your life and to leave that familiar zone. The perception is that we're all moving into the future just because you're stepping into tomorrow doesn't necessarily mean that you're stepping into the future that God has for you. I just wonder whether there's people in this room that might be burning up tomorrows just by stepping into tomorrow and stepping into tomorrow and stepping into tomorrow. God has a phenomenal future for us but he's also created us a creative, he's created us to be creative in our choices. <clears throat> Your life and the world could be a better place because of the decisions and the choices that you make. 
every choice that you make ushers in the future that only God could have imagined for us. God's created you to be making choices and your choices are significant and they have power. Other people's choices might have crashed into your soul like a train wreck, but don't let these choices that other people have made define what your future might look like. The choices that you make in your life doesn't just impact you, but it impacts those around you like a ripple effect. I've put this, I've had the guys do this. This is the ripple effect that um, your choices have. I know I haven't written this in the notes, but I know that you've just got to make, if you've, if you're here is a simplest thing, this is not what I'm talking about, but if it's, if it's that you, you're here currently and you know that you want to be healthier and exercise more and this is where you want to be, the only way you're going to get there is by making choices, different choices, little choices that you might think are insignificant choices, but these choices are going to define your future. We heard in the, in the Billy Graham message that Bernie shared with us, he was, he was there and there was photos of him speaking to tens of thousands of people. But there was one thing that he said, I can't even remember what he'd said, but the words that I heard him say was that he felt God tell him. And whatever it was, was obviously a significant thing for him. And we heard tonight from Andrew and these guys that they feel like God has told them to, to do something. I just wonder whether the choices that we make, I've written down here, um, the most spiritual thing that you could do in order to get yourself out of the harbour and into the future that God might be calling you into. And I've said here, do we think that the most spiritual thing that we could do to, to get us out, out of the harbour, it may be to love people. It may be to serve, serve the local church and serve God. It might be to fast and pray and read the Word. But tonight I'd like to suggest that the single most important spiritual act that we could do is to choose. Because before any of those other things that we could do, before any of those other things that we can fast or pray, we have to choose to do that first. Those sorts of things don't just happen. You don't wake up and find yourself fasting. You have to pray and you have to choose to be able to pray and to fast. Whatever, the, whatever that is, whatever that's going to look like, you have to choose first. And when we hear Billy Graham saying, God said, or if you read in the Bible, somebody it says there, God spoke to Moses. The state of these guys' soul and their hearts in order to be able to hear God speak to begin with started with a choice. Does it make sense? It all starts with a choice to be able to get yourself in a position to be able, even be able to hear the voice of God. Don't live a mediocrity. Don't live life mediocrity with apathy, fear, don't go with the facts all the time. I've written here, gain a madness. Choose to, loot, to leave the harbour. And I know that to, to choose sometimes, you've got to be brave in order to do it. And so I've asked these guys to lead us in the song, You Make Me Brave, because I know even the four people that were up here, at some point for Andrew to decide to leave a steady, a steady employment receiving a weekly paycheck, He's got to be brave to step out and start going out on his own. 
or for Faye to pick up the phone and ring a complete stranger and say, hey, I want to buy your glasses. A small thing, but the ripple effect is massive. But it started with that choice that, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick up the phone. The ripple effect in that one, like we've got, we've got people overseas that are, uh, that our missionary team have gone out with cash because of the decisions and the choices that Faye made. So that's pretty well me. But be brave. Be brave in your choices. Okay? Don't run with the easy. Don't just step in tomorrow and just keep burning up the tomorrows. But be brave with your choices. Okay? Thanks, Colin.